This episode of The Matt Report is brought to you by Malcare. Malcare.com, the only WordPress security plugin with instant WordPress malware removal or auto-clean feature, cleans your website without waiting hours or days. If you're looking for a great way to protect your client's website, your website, especially with everything going on with hacked plugins, outdated WordPress sites, even if WordPress is auto-updating for yourself. You just never know. You just never know what's going to happen. Sometimes hosts can disable auto-updating. They're rolling out their own versions of WordPress. You want to be secure. You want to have that insurance policy. You don't want to be woken up in the middle of the night with somebody's hacked website. I didn't want to do that when I was an agency owner. Getting that phone call saying that there's all this ASCII code or some kind of crazy page or links leaving their website... You don't want that. You want Malcare at Malcare.com. It starts at 99 bucks a year for one site. And if you're an agency, well, they have custom plans available, but you get up to 20 sites for $5.99 a year. Check it out. Malcare.com. Thanks for supporting the show. Welcome back to the Matt Report podcast. It's going to be a mixed bag today. I hope you're ready and willing for some alone time, just you and I chatting about, I don't know, business tech, WordPress, things that excite me. (laughs) It's December 2nd, 2020. It's been a couple of weeks since I posted an episode because of the Thanksgiving break, just general busyness of the world and of work. Happy to be back. Recently found out that I am in the 1% of podcasts in the entire world. In the entire, I mean, the 1% of podcasts. According to this website, which I I didn't even have in front of me, listennotes.com. Now that I'm, and that, now that I'm knee-deep, it's which is pretty funny to say now that I'm knee-deep in podcasting, like I haven't been knee-deep in podcasting for a majority of my professional career. I found Listen Notes the other day. I was like, oh, let me search for Matt Report here. So I'm searching for it right now, listennotes.com. Global rank, top 1%. Click the little uh, helper question mark. It says, what is the listener score, or listen score, excuse me, based on other RSS public podcasts in the world on a scale of 0 to 100? The higher, the more popular. popular. Calculated from first and second, third, uh, first and second, yeah. First and third party data updated monthly. So I get a listener score of 47, which is like failing <laughs> if it's if you're actually rating out of 100. Some in the top 1%, according to them, out of 1.8, well, here's the actual number as I'm reading this, 1,840,802 podcasts globally. So that could be what? I could be in the 18,000th, 40th place. <laughs> 400th place. Crazy. But hey, I appreciate everybody who listens. MattReport.com, MattReport.com slash subscribe. Leave a five-star review on iTunes. Maybe this uh, whole global ranking thing, they pull from those as an indicator. I felt pretty good for myself, actually. <laughs> not, not to start off this this podcast as just me gloating. Competitive spirit of a podcaster. I have no idea why it shows my old cover art, but it does. But I started searching around for my competitors. I'm like, oh, oh boy, I'm in the top 1%. You're in the top 5%. <laughs> Looks like I have a leg up on you. 
And then I started searching for the bigger, the bigger, more well-known top podcasts and then the 0.01% of podcasts. Like, oh, I see the differentiator right there. Lots of work to do. But hey, happy to have you aboard. Making the show a little bit better every episode that we can. As of this recording, I'll tell you, you know what I'm excited for? I'm excited for these Apple M1 chips. I, I mean, this is late to the game tech news, and this is not something I normally cover on this show. Maybe I, I generally talk about that with, on my other podcast, The Random Show at randomshow.net, which I record with Brad Williams every so often in a random cadence. But I'm really excited for these Apple M1 chips. I'm sure a lot of you are, and I'm sure a lot of you have seen the reviews, watched some YouTube reviews like I have, especially if you're a creator, right? If you're somebody who's doing video work, screen flow stuff, screen recording stuff, these Apple M1 chips are just blowing the competition out of the water, especially these Intel chips. And not to get too geeky, but man, just like the, the time that you can save on exporting video is tremendous. And for any of you that have ever exported like 4K video for any length, even on my personal YouTube channel, which you know I haven't really been publishing a lot on either of my YouTube channels these days, but exporting a 4K video, if you did a 4K video, 10 minutes long, uh, sometimes you're talking about like a half an hour, depending on what you're doing with that video and, and the processing power of your computer. I mean, this computer that I'm recording on now is my custom-built AMD Risen with 16 gigs of RAM, Windows machine, and it's fairly powerful. And man, it still takes some time. And these Apple M1 chips are blowing the competition out of the water, and you're saving hours across many videos that you're doing. The, the thing that's holding me back, quite literally, is, uh, is ScreenFlow is not supported. Uh, ScreenFlow in Descript, which is what I'm recording on right now, is not supported on Apple M1 chips yet. That's what's holding me back. I need that. I need that to be released uh, so that I can, I can run my apps. Because life update or <laughs> creator life update Hashtag creator life. It's probably a thing on YouTube. Uh, I canceled Adobe finally. And I know I feel like I'm late to the game. I feel like that if you're a sort of indie creator, designer, there's a lot of people who've moved to, 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 to programs like Affinity, Pixelmator. And Affinity, recommended by Jason Resnick the other day when I was talking to him, they had a Black Friday sale 30% off. And I was like, so what the heck? I might as well. Like, I use Photoshop a lot for YouTube thumbnails and the thumbnails for the podcast. And I'm really only working with templated layers that my designer makes for me. And I go and I just, whatever, change the, change out a logo, swap a photo, rewrite some text. I'm not a power user of any of these tools, really. It's just the editing of getting something out. So I, I canceled Adobe finally and switch to Affinity for my Photoshop needs. I'm a huge fan of Audition. As much of an overkill of an app that it is, the cleaning up of sound, background noise, making an episode sound really good, it was fantastic. And working within tracks was also fantastic. But what I hated about Adobe, my God. I mean, the price was... It's one thing. It's just sort of like, it's one of those things where when you're unsatisfied with a product fully and they charge you 
<clears throat> whatever it is, 35 bucks a month to be an Adobe Creative Cloud to get all the apps. There's this disconnect. Like it, the 300 and whatever, or $400 a year, whatever you spend on Adobe is definitely on the high end, no, no, no doubt. But you know, 400 bucks a year to be a content creator where you're making money is not a huge investment, but it's just that frustration of Adobe <laughs> that drives me absolutely bonkers. You know, I mean, I'd have all of a sudden a, do a, a premiere 2019, and then all of a sudden I have premiere 2020 on my machine, and I'm like, why do I have two versions? When did this even happen? And then you look at your, especially in Windows, looking at the task tray and just seeing all of the services running in the back end for Adobe, and you're like, what, what, why? Why do I have 30 services running? I don't even have an Adobe service support, I mean, a, a program open right now. Why? Why is this all running? You know, and then it's the price, and then it's the frustration of all that stuff. And then when Premiere updated, you, you build out these, these views of your workplace in Adobe Premiere. And effectively, it's just, you, it's like organizing your desk. Like you get all this stuff in the right place. Every time you're about to edit a video, you know, where to find the video files, where to find your effects, clips, how to scrub and move things into the timeline for quick editing, which if you only do a video here and there, you're not too worried about it. But when you're doing a lot of them, every second counts. This is what, you know, this is why the world of uh, keyboard layers, like the rubberized keyboard layers that you put on your keyboard to find all the short codes for uh, programs. This is why these things are popular because seconds amount to minutes, amount to hours, uh, to days throughout the year, right? And every time I would, it would update, like the workplace would just, it would just be all reorganized again. Like why, why? Isn't this just saving in Adobe Cloud? Like this whole premise of Adobe Creative Cloud is this cloud, it's saving these files. Why can't it just save the settings? So when you update me randomly to another version of your piece of software, it just carries those settings over. Drove me absolutely insane. And then you have those irritations and you're like, you know what, this 35 bucks a month, getting a little irritated. Should be better. It's a premium price. So, Premiere will be replaced by, well, I haven't ordered the, the new MacBook yet. I will be as soon as I can figure out when ScreenFlow and Descript are going to be fully supported on M1. But Premiere will be replaced by DaVinci Resolve, and then I might even go into Apple Premiere, I mean, Apple Final Cut, or Final Cut for Apple, because just the export times on these M1s are minutes a 10, I've seen some people render a 4K 10-minute clip at like two minutes. It's amazing. And only on eight gigabytes of RAM. Tremendous value for $9.99. A thousand bucks. I have an old 2016 MacBook 15-inch, which I can use the Apple trade-in program and get 700 bucks. So it's going to cost me $300. Sure, I could sell it on eBay, but I got to take the pictures. I got to upload the description. I got to ship it. I don't want to deal with all that. I'll just send it to Apple and let them melt it down and turn it into an iPhone. So, yeah, pretty happy to be replacing... Oh, in Lightroom, I use that for photography. And again, minor, minor use of Lightroom. But I have uh, Fuji cameras, and I use Capture One 
they have a free Capture One suite for Fujifilm. So I use that for photo galleries and just basic edits. I'm not professional here. And of course now Descript taking the reins for the audition. I'm uh, pretty happy with this combination. It's definitely, well, Descript is 30 bucks a month. So price-wise, and I bought Affinity for 30% off. I mean, this year's a wash, or for the next year anyway, it's a wash. Effectively the same price. But if you're interested in learning more about Descript, I've done two pretty extensive videos on the Castos YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Castos, C-A-S-T-O-S. It's my day job. Uh, it's all about podcasting. And I, I did two pretty deep dive videos on Descript, how I use it, my review with the likes, the dislikes, overdub feature, et cetera, et cetera. Check that out if you want to learn a little bit more about using Descript. Some other Matt Report news. Last week on Black Friday, I said, see all these people promoting their sales? Maybe I could do something for raising some money for one of the organizations that I like to support, Big Orange Heart, supporting mental health and wellness in the WordPress space and beyond. So I threw out a tweet. I said, hey, if you are a product owner out there and you want me to review your WordPress plugin or service on youtube.com slash plugintut, you send me your receipt for $250 donated to Big Orange Heart, and I'll do a review for you. And that one tweet managed to raise $1,750. So a bunch of product owners donating to a Big Orange Heart, great cause, will get their, get their product reviewed on my YouTube channel. Let me pull up the list. I mean, I am such a professional podcaster. Always having my show notes in front of me here. So we'll review them on the, on the podcast, or excuse me, on the YouTube channel. And it goes like this. Let me just add in the last one that came in in the last seconds here. The first company, Pagely, my old arma mater, Pagely.com. Jason Coleman from Paid Memberships Pro. Uh, WP Remote also the sponsor of this show for the other product. Uh, fillable PDFs for Gravity Forms. Entries to Google Sheets, which is a new up-and-coming product. Uh, Gravity View, Zach Katz. And a Sugar Calendar. Pippin Williamson said, hey, I know it's over, but can you do it? And I said, oh, God, twist my arm. He was the last one to invest there. So $1,750 raised from those fine brands in the WordPress space. Go ahead and say thanks to them. I got my work cut out for me. I'll have to do videos all throughout December on this stuff. But happy to do it. Happy to raise some money at the at the end of the year here for a great cause. So I, I've been exploring a lot more with this no-code stuff. And you've heard me say this stuff before. Something that I'm really, really interested in lately. It's a very unique space. A very fragmented space. Right, you have these brands like MakerPad. We're seemingly crushing it and doing well. And there's just a huge community over there. I the past guest here, Corey Haynes, on the podcast over at swipefiles.co. I ended up joining his his membership, and he's obviously a big no-coder. A lot of the stuff he, he stitches together are all based off of no-code. But I'm just like in this conundrum of like, there's APIs I want to connect, and I don't want to go to some kind of typical developer framework. I mean, unless you have one that's like really easy for a newbie like me to 
to learn, I want to be able to grab data from APIs and spit it out onto a WordPress website. I'm running this Airtable database for Castos, uh, or actually for podcasthackers.com. So podcasthackers.com is just our our Facebook community, 2,000 plus podcasters, and just saying, hey, I, I got this Airtable. If you have a podcast, throw it in this Airtable here so that we can all see this sort of directory of of podcasts, right? So I was like, if, can, can I get, call this from an API and spit it onto a WordPress website to, to make a more directory-ish feel, right? For sorting, searching, connecting with people. And uh, I've been going down with like a lot of these tools through no code. I see people doing these types of things with Webflow and connected to Zapier or, or vice versa to Airtable. And it's all these things. It's just part of me is like, okay, a little overwhelmed to where to learn these tools and what are the best ones here to use and invest in. And also like thinking, man, you don't really own any of this stuff. And it's such a hard, it's not even the technical learnings of it. It's my bias to WordPress. Although as an aside, I would throw WordPress into the no-code category for sure. But it's sort of like wrestling with this idea that, man, I, these pipes that connect my idea together, I don't own them. <laughs> right? So I'm always thinking, it's like, okay, yeah, you can get started for free. Get started for free on Zapier and, well, maybe not Webflow. They do have a free tier, but you, maybe you can't publish it. I, I forget. But yeah, there's like, there's all these free tiers, but it's at the same time, it's just like, you don't own any of these pipes. And at, at some point, the free plan goes away, but you don't have uh, control over that. Like, where does the data live? So now you're saving data in multiple places. I mean, this is, I guess, the the argument to, to no-code tools and versus just coding it yourself, which is a tremendous like thing to absorb, right? When you're so used to saying you own content, you own the data, though it is something you have to develop yourself. And if you don't have the skill set, you're kind of just like, okay, who cares? You take it, give it to me, right? You know, and I talked about that with Corey Haynes in the last episode. It's just like, yeah, you, you give up that ownership, but you also are accelerating the development of the idea. Which is actually going to parlay into the sort of the meat of this discussion today with this whole Salesforce buying Slack uh, that was announced. But yeah, it's just like this conundrum. I want to dive in. I want to learn. I want to get back into bubble.io. I just don't have the time to learn how to code, <laughs> you know, or the ADD around just sitting down and learning a framework. And even just, I, I, I vented about this when uh, one of the last episodes I did looking at Statomic. Oh, God, I got to sit down. I got to set up a freaking local dev environment. I don't want to do that. I want to sit down, have an interface and build it in the same, with the same feeling of front page in 1999. <laughs> For those of you old enough to remember front page at the end of the 90s into the early 2000s. Like that was, that felt powerful. From the previous years of hand writing out tables in HTML 
to clicking it and putting it into a GUI and just right-clicking and adding rows and columns, which is absolutely hilarious to say today because you're just like, wow, I can do that in any app. I don't even know why that's such a thing because back then it was a thing. <laughs> when you could just drop in a table, you were like, oh my God. This is powerful. When you connected it to different pages, like when you connected front page menus to other pages, you're like, wow, pretty powerful stuff. Now it's just like, whatever. <laughs> I, mean, I could do that now in WordPress, but, you know. Is there an Elementor for APIs? Connecting APIs, talking to each other, querying them. I mean, that has always been, like, if there was a life pursuit that I've been on, it's that, right? That was Conductor. There's always just like, there's data in that database. I want to get it out and display it. It's a lifelong pursuit for me. Apparently. So, yeah, it's just sort of in this conundrum. Just like, where do I want to develop? Where are you developing? I mean, are you in this no-code train, uh, on this no-code train? I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear what the alternatives are. Or just like, not even alternatives, but just... I built a website the other day again. Let's see, it's not in front of me. So I think it's called goodmicrophone.com. Yeah, goodmicrophone.com. And I just forward this domain to a Notion page, which, by the way, took me many months to warm up to, but now I am enjoying Notion for 80% for of the use case that they say is, is it's good for. Yeah, you want to build a simple website? Register a domain, get a free Notion account, type some words onto a Notion doc, and forward that domain to a publicly shared Notion page. <laughs> and they actually have, like, if you go up to their pro plan, you can actually attach a domain to it. Which goes to show you, like, it's a, it's a product that's just, like, trying to be everything for everyone, and that's the kind of the challenge behind it. But anyway, I digress. I want to find something as easy as that for building a directory of, of information. But no code tools, owning your data, not understanding like where the pipes connect and, and who owns what. It has been announced that Slack is going to be acquired by Salesforce, something to the tune of... 24 billion, 27.7 billion mega deals, says TechCrunch. Insane. And it's just like, there's many threads of thought that I have around this. It's just like, poof, money value. We're talking about a chat app here worth $27 billion. What is the total market of, of chat apps? Messaging. Where do we label this stuff? If you're looking for opportunity... Can you build another Slack competitor? <laughs> just like it's it, like every other thing. It's just like, my God, Slack sets the table of valuation. And can you come in with something that's just ultralight features? Hey, it's a great alternative to Slack. And then you start building up a presence, hammering that marketing message down. And before you got 100,000 customers and before you know it, you're getting acquired too. You know, it's just like this consistent, vicious cycle of, 
you know, corporatization and VC funding. I, I don't know where to begin. Like, there's on one hand, I'm like, hey, there's great opportunity in here. And the other hand, I'm like, the corporatization and privatization of data. It's all very scary, all very overwhelming and, and happening at, at a rapid pace. At one of the most crazy years in my recent memory, 2020, with the global COVID-19 pandemic. And then amidst all of this, I threw out a message I see on Twitter. I'm like, hey, what, what are people going to switch over to? Off of Slack, like I would love to see the churn numbers from Slack, right? Any anyone who's remotely a competitor to Salesforce, they're not going to use Slack anymore, right? You're certainly not going to have a a good feeling talking about your clients and account list competing against Salesforce in Slack. Although maybe there's some crazy sort of uh, reverse psychology there where you're talking about how well you're doing and then Salesforce comes and scoops you up. But I'd love to see the mass exodus numbers of Slack after this announcement. Previously, a couple of days before this announcement, it was said that they might be buying it. So I would love to see the people who jump ship. Anyway, I tweeted out, I asked people, what are they going to switch to? A lot of people have been talking about this matrix, which I saw come across my radar a few months ago, weeks ago. Something like that. Anyway, amidst the noise, I see there is a, a TechCrunch post from back in May where Automatic pumps $4.6 million into the into New Vector, that's the name, to help grow Matrix, an open decentralized comms e-commerce system. Now, I mean, again, so let's just do this. Automatic Salesforce. Automatic raises three hundred million at a three billion valuation from Salesforce Ventures. <laughs> so Salesforce buys Slack. Salesforce invests three hundred million into Automatic. Automatic invests four point six million into New Vector. I mean, this has all like the inner workings of like some crazy cover up. <laughs> Like Shell Corporation. I don't know. It's crazy. Like, I mean, it's 4.6 million of automatic is, is also like saying 4.6 million of Salesforce. And it's like, hey, we bought the competitor over here. Meanwhile, automatic and Salesforce get together on the investor calls and they're like, hey, what'd you, what'd you do with our money? Oh, we put in this matrix thing. Okay, thanks for putting our money into a competitor. And we'll just keep an eye on that. Let us know what they're doing over there. <laughs> it's just crazy that this, the, the world, you know, that we live in. You know, I don't know what, Craig's going to do at Castos. I know for my agency, we'll still they'll still continue to use Slack. Um, really not in a position to to switch though. I know the agency also runs uh, Basecamp, which has their own chat system in it, and I think these are where the the cool wins are for these types of. Not that Basecamp needs another win, but when you look at it all, it's like man. We know our data is getting sold everywhere. When it comes to like cell phones and operating systems, it's just like, well, I'd rather like of all the evils, I'd rather give the Apple villain my money than a Google or Microsoft. I mean, I think it goes like Apple, Microsoft, Google for me (laughs) and then Facebook way down the end. But these types of acquisitions, these types of shifts in the marketplace... When, when does it end? Like, when, when is there going to be the next Slack and anybody who wants to compete against it? Like does this open up the doors for that? And this opens up the doors for you to switch to something else, of course. But Basecamp has chat in it. And it's kind of cool. 99 bucks. 
if you're running an agency, I mean, it's, it's almost like, hey, I'm getting a Slack, a file sharing system, and a project manager for 99 bucks. It's pretty good. No, it doesn't have all the features. It's not as, whatever, fluid as these big apps. Yeah, but it's also not owned by Salesforce. It's not owned by Microsoft. Again, I hate to keep saying it's like, I'm really curious of like how long WordPress can hold out of being sort of that last bastion of decentralized web app. I don't know if I'm really framing that right. Like if you were ever going to build, I don't know, like a complete publishing suite. I mean, we talked about the Jamstack stuff, but I feel like, again, that's sort of the same thing. You're connecting up services. You can't do everything that maybe WordPress can do. How long does WordPress hold out from this privatization, corporatization of data, connectivity? I don't know. I don't know if I'm framing that right. That might sound crazy. I mean, I'm not trying not to sound like a crazed conspiracy theorist, but man, the world just keeps getting eaten up from big stuff. And it's funny, like I always think that every, it's like almost every product starts very lightweight, very agile, focused. You think about MailChimp back in the day, 10 years ago or however long we've you know been promoting it. By we, I say the collective we of like marketers and, and newsletter type people. You think about how simple it was. And now, oh my God, it's, it's, it's an entire marketing system now, right? I mean, what's their pitch? MailChimp.com. Marketing smarts for big ideas. MailChimp helps small businesses do big things with the right tools and guidance every step of the way. Do it all with MailChimp. Is that not the kiss of death <laughs> for a product and marketing team do it all who's your audience everyone <laughs> what's your marketing plan reach everyone and i guess when you're that size that's the only next step right how long until mailchimp gets acquired by salesforce so it's just this constant vicious cycle start small you start to grow and here's the thing as you start to grow and you start to expand you're putting the pressures onto yourself, your product, your team to continue to survive because you, you make these more overwhelming investments, right? Or not. I mean, I'm not saying this is the case for everyone by any stretch of the imagination. Like Buffer is like one of those sort of buffer and I'm forgetting the name of the video company also in Boston, Wistia, who have... The employees or the founders still own the companies and they're and they're widely successful. You know, but they're they're not massive, which I guess is fine, and they never get acquired, so you never hear about these massive payouts, but it's just this 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 constant pressure to start small, be nimble, you start getting more customers, those customers start saying, Hey, we'd also like this, or we're leaving. <laughs> okay, okay, don't worry, we'll build it. Then you start building it, and then you get more customers, and then those customers say, Hey, by the way, we also want automation workflows and you're like okay okay you know i mean convert kit is perfect example for this nathan barry and i'm not saying this is bad i'm just saying this is a constant flywheel in motion as, as a product grows 
going off on a tangent, but you know, that's what, that's what the show is all about, I think. How do we overcome that? Do we overcome it? Do we not? Do we give in? Eh, really up to you as the founder or creator, but the point of the show or the point, <laughs> the point of that rant is it's just a vicious cycle. And we'll all switch to something else. We'll all switch to Matrix until Salesforce buys it. And then we all switch to something else. Discord's another one that you might look at. But again, it's like, you're going to have all these people switch to Discord. I know sort of non-gaming folks that use Discord, but I don't know, like when you log into Discord, you're force-fed gaming stuff because that's primarily its main attractor. You know, will they shift into to a Slack alternative now? Discord Pro? Let's look it up. Discord. So Discord says your place to talk. Whether you're part of a school club, gaming group, worldwide community, or just a handful of friends, want to spend some days, it makes it easy to talk every day. I mean, this branding already looks like it could be a Slack competitor. I just know that very much they have like a whole gaming portion to it. So, anyway. I think that's the show for today i hope you, you stuck around and uh, came with me on this crazy crazy ride look uh super excited to feel more comfortable with the podcast where it's headed not strictly about wordpress these days that resilient business builder keep working on that keep working on that slogan telling stories outside of the wordpress space why people continue to do business how they succeed in it but even not just from that very black and white sort of thing like really diving into why people keep doing it like why do you keep doing it what's the legacy of doing this stuff what's the goal is it, is it to get acquired is it because you're you're just like right now you're in the throes of just making this stuff work you got laid off because of the covid because of the covid and now you're you're building a business a digital business or something like that and, and you're just trying to make ends meet that's the these are the stories i want to tell i want to get to that 0.5 percent of most popular shows which would be the top ten thousand. <laughs> oh i love it i love it thanks for listening everybody it's mariport.com mariport.com slash subscribe join that mailing list leave us a five-star review on itunes i think at 132 i would love to get to 200 Tweet at me if you like where the show is going. All right, we'll talk to you soon. See you in the next episode.